0: Welcome to the show. We have with us in the studio Judith Roberts, who is the executive director of the Literacy Project, and Tim Lovett, who is the founder of Comedy as a Weapon, and they are here with us today because we want you to know about Comedy Cause 4, the numeral 4, which will be presented at the Academy of Music this Saturday night, January 21st. Doors open at 7 o'clock, the show at 8 o'clock. It is a benefit for... The Literacy Project, which is one of my favorite organizations here in the Valley, and I'm always moved by the stories from the participants of the Literacy Project. For those of our listeners, Judith Roberts, Executive Director of the Literacy Project, would you tell us, please, the overview of what the Literacy Project is, what it does? Give us some of the history, please.
1: Great to be here, Bill. The Literacy Project is for out-of-school youth and adults who need a second chance to get their high school diploma. So used to be called the GED, sometimes still called the GED. That's no, the high set. Or the high set, yes. Yeah, so high we,
0: school equivalency test.
1: Yes, yes. Thank you, Bill. Bill knows all. <laughs> <laughs> Bill has talked to Judith a few yeah, times. That's yeah, all. <laughs> yeah. And we provide free access to education. In we have classrooms in Amherst, Northampton. Greenfield, Orange, and Ware. And about 200 students per year come through our doors. Many of them go on to community college, better jobs, job training programs. So we think of this literacy project as kind of a stepping stone to a better future for our students.
0: I'm always moved by the stories of adults who have gone through life not being able to read. And that, that phenomenon, that, that sad aspect of our community, um, I think is one of the hidden stories here. Because we think of ourselves as, well, this is an educated community. Everyone has a high school diploma. Everyone goes to college. Everyone, everyone, everyone. But not everyone at all.
1: Not and everyone.
0: And there is a hidden part of our community that the Literacy Project is here to serve. I'm wondering what your thoughts are about the hidden nature of this issue, particularly here in the Valley.
1: Well, in the Pioneer Valley, 14% of adults over 25 do not have a high school diploma. So that's one in seven adults. The New York Times, about some 10 years back, called us the Valley of the Literate, which is true. We have the colleges, we have these very elite prep schools, five colleges, except two community colleges, et cetera. But there are people who, for multiple, multiple reasons, did not have that advantage. There's as many stories as we have students. The truth is, Bill, our students can read. They just do not read at a level good enough to pass the high school diploma. So they come to us for support, and we, the Literacy Project, really believes that reading is the key. Reading is liberation.
0: It's also an avenue to a better job. It seems to me that in this day and age, to not be able to read and comprehend uh, at a significant level is an enormous impediment to uh, any kind of economic security.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and we also do what we call um, digital literacy. So we provide our students with computers. We use funds from individual donations. The community has been very supportive of the literacy project, and we purchase and give to each of our students a computer that they own, it's theirs, they can use it to access all kinds of things, and that is also another key to the 21st century, very important.
0: I would like to ask you about an aspect of uh, the Literacy Project that always, always strikes me and really comes close to my heart when I hear the stories from the members of the Literacy Project, which is when they say in so many words, I was embarrassed to be able to not be able to read. I hid it. And I would appreciate your addressing the issue of, well, this kind of uh, social ostracism because of uh, the inability to read or read well.
1: Well, people with that inability or low level of literacy really get left out And as you mentioned, Bill, left out of earning a sustainable living that can support a family. But one of the hardest things that our students do, and they tell me, a gentleman just told me the other day, he's 36 years old, he's a brand new student in our program, he said the hardest thing was walking through those doors and coming into class. Once he got into class, and I I was sitting in class talking with him, he said, I'm in the right place. This is the right place to be. At the Literacy Project, everyone is welcome, everyone is respected, and people can be themselves.
0: And again, the places in the community where the Literacy Project has offices and classes are?
1: Northampton, we're on Gothic Street, Amherst, Greenfield, Ware, and Orange. And you can find us on the web at literacyproject.org. We're free, we're open to whoever needs us.
0: Let's turn from Judith Roberts to Tim Lovett. Tim is the founder of Comedy as a Weapon. You will be presenting at Comedy Cause 4, the numeral four, that will be this Saturday evening at the Academy of Music here in Northampton, doors at seven show. Begins at 8. Tickets available at the Academy Music Box Office. And can tickets be purchased through the Literacy Project as well, Judith? Or go to the Academy Music Box Office?
1: You got to go to the Academy. You got to go to Tim. Got to go to Tim. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm the Academy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
0: Tim, you are the founder of Comedy as a Weapon, Tim Lovett. For those of our listeners who are not familiar with his name or his performances, he's performed at clubs, venues across the country, and here uh, in Western Massachusetts of course as well. Comedy Cause 4, the numeral 4. Could you tell us what the title of the show means for those of us who uh, say need, are concrete thinkers and say comedy cause numeral 4? Help us out here.
2: Okay, okay. Uh, First I want to circle back to what uh, Judith was saying about um, about uh, uh, actually um, getting their high school equivalent uh, diploma or whatever. Um, I was one of those people, and sometimes we forget from the time we were in high school to the time we actually go back like there's a gap, and we forget a lot of things we think um the standards have risen, and we're afraid, and a lot of times jobs don't ask you for your diploma, so you take it you take factory jobs, you take and well, then you always. Afraid. sometimes you're afraid to go above and beyond that. So, um, you know, when I finally decided, well, it was a situation where I just finally want to stop reacting in my life and be proactive. And, um, that's sort of how comedy cause got started. There was a time when, um, after I was incarcerated, I got, I got out of uh, jail and I was homeless. So, um, all the organizations that helped me get back on my feet. When I started living my dream of doing comedy, I was like, I'm gonna go back and help each one of those organizations. Uh, The first being the Northampton Recovery Center, then Survival Center, and then uh, the Homeless Shelter. And now, you know, due to COVID, we missed two years due to COVID. Now it's the uh, Literacy Project's uh, turn, so. I'm very excited about that. We're very excited to be back. Um, And it's just, you know, comedian me, my uh, partner, Kim DeShields, we just decided to um, take once a year, you know, just put all our efforts into just giving back to our community. Uh,
0: I don't, I don't want to intrude, but if you could share a bit more of your story, so our listeners could know, um, I really appreciate your sharing. Uh, would you do that? Tell us a bit more of how you came to this place in your life. And, of course, the uh, Comedy as a Weapon is
2: a phenomenal organization.
0: Can you tell us more?
2: Oh, well, um, so, again, like I said, I was incarcerated um, back in 2010. Um in, in actually uh, Hampshire, and I decided to change my life at that particular time. And one teacher, a couple of teachers who actually worked for um, the Literacy Project were at the time there, and actually one of my, um, she's my, one of my good friends now, uh, Alexis uh, Batra. She she was like, damn, you should, you know, I, I just begged her to get in, get in her class because I was so, bored and I wanted to do something different and this was at the jail this is at the jail and that's where you know I took um you know uh uh you know I took my high school equivalency test you know in jail and she taught me you know everything I knew. she was so patient and so um and then she was like Tim you gotta go to college you gotta call I was like "Mm, you know college ain't for me she's like you gotta go to college you gotta go to college (laughs) And she's like, here, fill this out. She was just bringing me paperwork I didn't even know I was filling out. I was just, it was something to do. And then uh, um, I ended up uh, getting out, um, and I decided at that point I was going to change my life. I started going to college from the homeless shelter I was staying in, which now I work at, which now I'm a case manager at. Was that the homeless shelter here in Northampton? Yes, Hampton? yes. Um, and so I started going to college from there, and I was like, I'm going to graduate college from a ten if I have to. And and unfortunately, I mean, well, fortunately, I didn't have to. And and then while I was doing, it, I started, you know, I, I discovered, I, you know, I could write, and I wrote a couple articles for a magazine called The Change Agent. I um, started writing jokes, and I started, you know, I started public speaking, and I, I, started going to Bishops up here telling jokes.
0: Bishop's
2: Lounge. Bishop's Lounge up in Northampton,
0: and you did shows
2: there, and took, I never did a show to, at, at to, Bishop's. So we just there was just an open mic. There. Open mic, yeah. I started doing shows. My first show was in 2016 at uh, um, JJ's Tavern in Florence, and and it was well received, and you know the community was just wanting comedy, and I just kept you know providing comedy and sharpening my skills and. Um, I would bring people I wanted to work with to Northampton and then they would take me on the road or I'll see them on the road and as I started traveling more, you know, I wanted to bring these, these, these same people because I like to laugh. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a person that loves to laugh so I was bringing them um, back to Northampton. But um, getting back to the story, I was, you know, when I was homeless, you know, um, and we used to have to be out I would go to organizations like, I would I would go to like AA meetings just to get out the cold and get coffee or whatever. Or I would, you know, of course I would have to utilize my resources around me like uh, the food banks. And um so, and, and you know, and um, then there was a time when I wasn't allowed to be funny. Like in jail, you're not allowed to be funny. Like what's so serious? Are people, you know, um, um, they think you're laughing at them. Um, and so one thing you have to do is an emotional triage. You know, you have to change, adapt to your surroundings. And so you do emotional triage. And I was like, one thing I'll never give up is my ability to laugh and laugh at myself. So that's where comedy as a weapon got started. Like comedy was my weapon to get me over.
0: Where do you where are you from? Did you grow up here? No, I grew
2: up in Lorraine, Ohio. <laughs> and no how long- browns oh <laughs> i'm sorry
0: <laughs> <laughs> i didn't mean t- i didn't mean to interrupt you want to tell us about <laughs> want tell us about your hometown at all
2: <laughs> well it was, it was my hometown it was a lot different like um um we used to have to, you know i know people say that we walk miles to school or whatever but we did we walked like literally a mile to school We right off the lake lake erie you know tears would freeze on our face in the wintertime, and it was just like, we all just like made fun of each other. And that was, you know, now it may be considered bullying, but that's how we, 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 we just learned. It was, uh, uh, and that's how we realized like the truth about ourselves, you know, um, you know, you uh, know, um, people didn't do it as you know being mean it was like a term of endearment like you know you know you say something like look at that big head or whatever look at you know did your neck blow a bubble or something like that you know those and we would just give it back and be like oh look at you know look at those big hands or or, you know so we didn't take it as like bullying it was just that's how we dealt with our friends so Mm -hmm. uh, comedy was like always in my life it was like Mm -hmm. the the root of everything in my life. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to speak further with Tim Lovett
0: and Judith Roberts. We want you to know more about Comedy Cause 4 and Comedy as a Weapon. And we'll be right back.
3: This is Bill Newman, WHMP.
4: The Paul Parent Garden Club, every Sunday, 6 to 8 a.m. Brought to you by Winesick Nursery, locally owned and operated since 1954. Visit Mike, Amity, John, and the rest of the team at Winesick Nursery, Route 9 and Hadley, and online at winesicknursery.com.
5: I chose community mental health to serve populations that are often underserved.
3: Megan is a therapist at ServiceNet.
5: One core value at ServiceNet is to continue to learn to really strive for the most effective treatment if you're looking for a strong sense of community and collaboration, come to Servicenet.
3: If you're a licensed mental health clinician who wants to make your own hours while also being part of a progressive community mental health team, join us at Servicenet. Go to the employment page at servicenet.org. 20 years ago, we envisioned
5: creating a brighter future for people and planet.
1: Now PV Squared celebrates a big milestone two decades of designing, building, and maintaining quality solar projects for homes and businesses in our community.
4: PV Squared is a worker owned co-op. When you partner with us, you get a team dedicated to the success of your project, from your first meeting to servicing your system down the road.
5: Build solar right and do business better. It's the co-op difference.
4: Learn more at co-op. They say that the one constant in
6: life is change, and while that might be true for most things, one thing that hasn't changed is the great meal
3: and great time you're always going to have at Roberto's in downtown Northampton. Stop by six
6: nights a week to dine in, hang at the bar. If you don't want to eat in, there's always Roberto's new online ordering system. Just go to robertosnorthampton.com and you can order, pay, and pick up dinner six nights a week. Roberto's is open every day except Tuesdays, right on Pleasant Street in downtown Northampton. And save 30% on the Shop 30 store.
0: A little bit of hammering and a little bit of humoring. Today's Homeowner with Danny Lipford. Home improvement ideas and advice. Today's Homeowner with Danny Lipford. Sundays at noon, 101.5, 1400, and 1240 WHMP.
5: You want the very best opportunities for your child. Given the amount of time children spend in school each day, you want your child to be inspired, to be engaged, to love going to school. At Bament, each student experiences this every day. The Bement School in Deerfield is a close-knit community of students from around the valley and across the globe, kindergarten through ninth grade, learning from each other in the classroom, rooting for each other on the athletic field, and celebrating each other on the stage. We are local, we are global, and our differences make us stronger. We interact face-to-face, share meals together every day, and open doors for one another. The true essence of your child's time at Bement is preparing for a life of integrity, of significance, of joy. Financial aid and transportation are available to help make a Bement school education possible. I'm Kim Laughlin, Director of Admission. Please contact me or visit our website. Bement will be the best investment you make in your child's future.
3: This is Bill Newman, WHMP.
0: We continue our conversation with Tim Lovett, who is the founder of Comedy as a Weapon, and Judith Roberts, who is the executive director of the Literacy Project. They are here with us because Comedy Cause 4 will be at the Academy of Music this Saturday night, the 21st. Doors open at 7. The show begins at 8. Tickets are available at the Academy's box office and at aomtheater.com. And there is a link at the Literacy Project uh, uh, Facebook uh page. So let me ask you this. Uh, Tim Lovett, Comedy Cause 4, the numeral four. Tell us what the show. I don't want you to give away uh, what's gonna happen exactly, but I kind of do. So help me out here.
2: Oh uh, okay. I'm saying it's gonna be like uh um it's gonna be like bonfires and explosions. I got the pyrotechnics <laughs> coming through. <laughs> Jugglers, I mean uh uh, uh, if, the if the
0: fire department should be listening, <laughs> would you kindly turn off your radio now? Thank you. <laughs>
2: I just got the permit for the elephant. So <laughs> No, what we what it is, is uh, we are bringing comedy as a weapon to the big stage. It's, uh, you know, starting off with our DJ, DJ Groove, my partner in crime, Kim the Shields, who was on Nick and Knight's Funniest Moms, and also Wendy Williams. We got Maya Minion. Who was also who was actually on Nick and Knight's Funniest Moms, who Kim DeShields beat out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, and then we have our headliner from Atlanta, uh Hank Denson, who was uh in the movie uh Barbershop 3. He was in uh the Tupac biopic, um, All Eyes on Me. I mean, he opened for everybody, Jamie Foxx, Cedric the Entertainer, Amy Schumer, and his message. Is um, pay teachers more money? So um, this is, you know, so this is really a celebration about um, teachers, and we want all the teachers to come out and feel celebrated and feel special. We know you're underappreciated. I went to school, so I know. I know what type of student I was. <laughs> <laughs> you, you were less
0: appreciative then than the next.
2: <laughs> you know, when you get older, you. Uh, um, you you really I think you appreciate education more because like when I went back to school, it was like all oh, this has been here the whole time. And then it, then you think about what your teachers was telling you know your mom like uh, um, Tim is smart he just don't apply itself. And I was just thinking like I don't apply myself.
0: Okay, well we're going to take out just a five, few seconds here. <laughs>
2: okay, bone is gone. So yeah, I um, I wasn't applying myself. So, um, but you probably sel- were. It probably were a lot of things that
0: got in the way of your being successful at school the first time around.
2: Yeah, like like fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it was it was. I think I think um, um, truth in the wrong season bears no fruit. <laughs> so I think you have to be ready to receive um, certain things. And like I said, when I went back. All the distractions that, you know, you think, like, I wanted to just hang out with my friends or I wanted to, you know, uh, ride my bike or play with toys or play video games. You know, all those distractions leave and you just, you know, you, you're ready to focus. You're ready to, I wanted to know. I wanted to know what I was missing. And was this in jail where this happened? This was, yeah. The first started in jail and it continued when I got out and went to college. So where, Where'd you go to college? I went to, I went to stick. In Springfield, uh, Springfield Technical Community College. And I got a degree in um, computer information technology, IT security. And you started the
0: comedy as a weapon troupe. And I'm wondering if you could tell us Comedy Cause 4, that's the 4 that you... Uh, do these
2: shows for uh, on an ongoing basis? N- n- no, this yeah, this is the fourth one. And it's the fourth one. It's the fourth one, so it's like yeah, yeah, I wasn't too creative with that. So, the <laughs> next, so if we're keeping count, so you know, uh, uh, next one will probably be comedy calls five. Oh, I, I, I had a question for you, okay. uh, it's Dan here on the board. Uh, tell tell me who who are the comedians that most inspire you? I want to know that. Well, um, I love. Um, you know, of course, I I loved uh, Richard Pryor growing up because mm-hmm. I just think he was he was so raw. He was just so honest mm-hmm. on stage, and I can never be that. I can never be that honest in anything in my life. Like mm-hmm. you know, it's just I don't know. It's just it's just that honesty which made it, which made it super funny. Um, Martin Lawrence, cause I loved his mm-hmm. energy. Of course, we all love like Eddie Murphy. I loved. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Robin Williams mm-hmm. and uh, Steve Martin, just, mm-hmm. you know, any anybody, you know, like that, like, uh, um, just quick and zany and, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, like, didn't take themselves too serious, you know, so I, 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 love, I just love comedy. I used to watch, you know, the HBO specials, the Comedy Central specials, just watching comedy. Uh, Def Jam, you know, because you know you growing up in a black neighborhood, you know you got to watch Def Jam because that's what we talk about and that's how mm-hmm. we talk, that's how we communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, oh, it was it's funny. A uh, comedian named Talent Harris, I saw on Def Jam when I was uh when I was young, and then when I you know I finally got to work with him, and and, and you see these comedians, and now I'm working with them. I'm like, oh, my God, this is where I've seen you at. This is where I've seen you at. Um, and they're like, I get that a lot. And I'm like, yeah, you get that a lot. I'm saying I'm grown up now, and I'm, I'm so excited to, to be here. So, I'm interested
0: in this. and I'd like to follow up on Dan's question. I, and it comes from a conversation that I had with Lewis Black once. Uh, and I asked him, when you're on stage, are you improvising or do you have i mean there're no notes there's just a person up there are are you improvising or are you is it planned out in a way uh, i guess the question is about spontaneity on stage well um
2: i have material but if i can just you know if i can just be spontaneous is 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 amazing um that's the most uh what what they say is you know it's called crowd work so when your crowd work stops working that's when you go to jokes and you know you you know you can bring up a lot of things you know with your material cuz somebody will shout something out like that's so true and then you'll go out there and be like oh that was, was so mean? good i was so afraid of what they were going <laughs> to shout out <laughs> <way> <laughs> before you did <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you yeah, people shout out some, you know. Some yeah, let's, have... let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I would like to know this. When you talk about crowd work, uh, is it going to be different or is it different on a big stage than when you're in a smaller venue and there are tables and people close to you? T- tell us about
2: that. Okay, so um, when you do a theater, it's more of a monologue because um, you really... You really can't see the people there's you may see the first couple rows, and uh, uh uh but you're talking to a whole theater and it takes like a minute or two for the sound to get back from from the back of the room to the front of the room so you really have to take a beat um but like a bar show people are right there in, in front of you and running in this table and that's where you do your crowd work because you have to uh, make contact with the audience. You have to, you know, talk to them. If you just come out there and do jokes, they're not really going to know who you are. So you have to, um, you know, you really have to engage with them.
0: And where do you find most of your material?
2: Where, where do you look for it? Uh, me? This is just, it's funny because in my head, it's always my mom just talking to me like, well, <laughs> <you know>? <laughs> <laughs> You know, just when you do something, like, boy, you know better than that. You know, (laughs) know, it's just, and so is that. So I'm just figuring, like, yeah, you know, and it's, it's. So it's just—it's usually me. Like I, you know, because I don't like, you know, when people come to a comedy show, it's already intense. They be like, "We ain't sitting in that front row," you know what I mean? He's gonna pick on yeah, me, yeah, you know. You know, and the people that get stuck in the front row, they try not to make eye contact. You know, <laughs> looking down. It's kind of like being back in yeah. school in some ways, yeah. <laughs> you know, and um. So yeah, yeah, so I try to be, you know, I don't try to be an attacking comic. I try to, you know, just yeah. be fun. I try to include people. You know, it's uh um just like relatable things like, you know, I see in my world, you know, um um cooking as a as a man who lives alone and um or gaining weight or, you know, or um um dressing or just 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 anything. Just, you know, um how when you go to the stoplight out here in North Hampton and, you know, you can see 15 people push that button and you push it anyway.
0: <laughs> you know, yeah, and then, I, then you I, get... <laughs> I plead guilty to that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> or how, you you know, you get mad when somebody push it right behind you. Because like you you right, push you're pushing <laughs> yeah, the button yeah. wasn't good enough. <laughs> yes, yes. So it's like, just things like that. just <laughs> You know, and it's funny because you're like, yeah, I just, you know, I just did that. Now I'm getting mad at... <laughs> this. Is, so that's the funny thing about it, you know, because it forces you to look at yourself, you know, and most people, and that's why it's fun comedy is funny cuz they look at they see themselves in that joke. In that joke. Yeah. Let's go back to
0: Judith Roberts. The tickets can be bought for Comedy Cause for where, please?
1: So, you can buy tickets at the Academy of Music. Also, um Literacy Project Facebook has a link, but I want to can I just speak sure, to what, what Tim um it, it's beautiful to listen to you, Tim. And um, your, Tim's story really shines a light on the work that we do in the Literacy Project. And, you know, just like when that light bulb went off inside of him and he's like, I want to get my education. So Tim's a, a success story, which is beautiful. But also there's all kinds of successes that our students have. Um, we have a, a, a gentleman, he's my age, uh, so he was a Vietnam War vet, and um, just came back to class. He lives at Soldier on in Leeds, and um, he read his first book, cover to cover, in his life. And he said, previous to coming to Literacy Project, he could read. He could read well enough to get the sports scores out of the newspaper, but that was the end of it. And you know, and here's a person who fell in love with reading. And so that's the work that we do also um, because we believe that that literacy and reading is really the key. It's the key to everything.
0: Comedy Cause 4, a benefit for the Literacy Project, will be at the Academy of Music this Saturday night, the 21st. Doors at 7, the show at 8. It's going to be fabulous. Tim Lovett, thank you so much for being with us today. Judith Roberts, it is always a pleasure to speak with you as well. I can't wait for this show. See you you. Saturday night. I'm
1: very grateful to Tim for for including the Literacy Project, to Tim and his crew.
0: we leave it right there. We'll be right back with Cool Films with Larry Hott.
1: Get in on the conversation. Call
3: 413-586-7140. This is Bill Newman, WHMP.
4: For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. A Vermont man is facing multiple charges after being pulled over for expired plates. Just after midnight on January 11th, state troopers arrested 31-year-old James Watkins of Lindenville after stopping him on I-91 in Hatfield. During the traffic stop, it was discovered that Watkins did not possess a driver's license and was arrested. Troopers inventoried the vehicle, finding 25 wax baggies containing what was suspected to be heroin and a 22 revolver. Watkins' bail was set at $10,000. A new geothermal well is being drilled on Haggis Mall at UMass Amherst. This is part of a bigger program within the university and will help the school reach their energy goals. To provide eco-friendly heating and cooling, UMass is looking toward thermal energy. UMass plans to be carbon zero by 2032, and the school is building 800-foot holes beneath the campus to help achieve that goal. The school has already built three geothermal wells across campus and is currently working on two others. The former Franklin County Chamber of Commerce Executive Director of over 30 years, Ann Hamilton, passed away Monday morning. She had been battling ALS for over seven years. She served the community in numerous roles over the years, including president of the Deerfield Women's Club, first woman selectman in Greenfield, and executive director of the Franklin County Chamber of Commerce for 32 years. Visiting hours will be Saturday from 1 to 3 p.m. at Smith Keller Funeral Home, and a celebration of Anne's life will be Saturday, February 11th at the Second Congressional Church in Greenfield.
0: Mostly cloudy today. Breeze picks up out of the west. There is a chance for a scattered flurry or sprinkle. Otherwise for dry. A high of 44 to 48. Variable clouds tonight. Overnight low 26 to 32. Mostly cloudy on Thursday. Dry in the morning. Wintry mix changing to rain in the afternoon. A high of 36 to 40. Some light snow on Friday. I'm 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis. 101.5 WHMP.
4: This News Minute is brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media.
7: Yo soy Johan Rochebega con la síntesis informativa de Hollywood Media. La Casa Blanca descartó el martes las críticas sobre sus divulgaciones fragmentadas sobre el descubrimiento de documentos clasificados y registros oficiales en la Casa y la antigua oficina del presidente Joe Biden, y dijo que podría retener información para proteger la investigación del Departamento de Justicia. Ian Sams, portavoz de la oficina del abogado de la Casa Blanca, dijo a los periodistas que la Casa Blanca estaba divulgando información que consideraba apropiada. En respuesta a las críticas por las divulgaciones fragmentarias, Sams dijo que la Casa Blanca estaba tratando de tener en cuenta el riesgo de compartir información que no está completa. El descubrimiento de los documentos en posesión de Biden complica una investigación federal sobre el expresidente Donald Trump, quien según el Departamento de Justicia, se llevó consigo cientos de registros marcados como clasificados al salir de la Casa Blanca a principios de 2021 y se resistió durante meses a las solicitudes para devolverlos al gobierno. Si bien los dos casos son diferentes, ya que Biden entregó voluntariamente los documentos una vez encontrados, todavía se ha convertido en un dolor de cabeza político para un presidente que prometió una ruptura total con las operaciones de la administración Trump. En otras informaciones, la Oficina de Desarrollo Comunitario de la Ciudad de Holyoke anunció el martes que el viernes 20 de enero de 2023 publicará las solicitudes de propuestas de subsidios en bloque para el desarrollo comunitario del año fiscal 2023 para financiar actividades en la ciudad de Holyoke para beneficiar a personas de ingresos bajos y moderados o áreas de ingresos bajos y moderados. Las categorías de actividades elegibles incluyen servicios públicos, instalaciones públicas, vivienda, infraestructura y desarrollo económico. Todas las solicitudes deben presentarse antes del viernes 17 de febrero de 2023 a las 3 de la tarde tiempo del este y no se concederán prórrogas ni excepciones. Yo soy Johan Reshi Vega y esta fue la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media a través de WHMP.
4: This news minute has been brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media.
3: This is Bill Newman, WHMP.
0: And this is Cool Films with Larry Hott. Larry Hott is the Florence-based Emmy Award-winning filmmaker. He is with us and has been with us regularly leading up to the Oscars. where He is a member, the voting member of the Academy, and he has brought to our attention, my attention, I love these reviews and the recommendations that you give Larry. I'm having so much fun watching the films you recommend. What do you have for us today?
6: I have a really important film called The Janes, which is on HBO. And this film is about abortion in Chicago before Roe v. Wade. Now, that doesn't really give a great idea of what it is. It's really about a collective of women starting in the early, in the mid 60s up until Roe v. Wade, who take it on themselves to provide abortions for women. In Chicago now that premise doesn't sound as exciting as it is so well, it's pretty exciting if you're trying to avoid going to prison with well this is what's great about this film I, I one of the reviews said this is a cookie cutter film it just has interviews with these women it's anything but that this is a traumatic portrayal of a group of women who decide that they cannot abide the abortion laws in Illinois at the time that women are dying the hospitals are full in the septic units are full of women dying. And you hear uh, from doctors in this film. Dying from what? The dying from the results of illegal abortions, poorly done abortions. And this group of women come together and they're called the Janes because they decide that that is a name that nobody's using anymore. So that they would, they put up signs on phone booths, on mailboxes that said, pregnant, call Jane. Then they answered a phone, people would ask for Jane. There is no Jane. They would say, are you, Having problems, and they would come in and they would would provide the services. Now, what that means is that they actually were working with the mob. This is really interesting. The mafia was running the abortion clinics, the illegal abortion clinics in Chicago. Because there was money in it? Absolutely. It was, as I talk about a lot in the film, this was basic capitalism, what the market would bear. In fact, it opens up with a woman telling the story about what the rates were 150, 500, 1,500, depending what kind of service you want. Basically, how trustworthy it was. I think if we hear a clip from this film, you'll get a sense of how intense it is.
1: Ordinary women trying to save
4: women's lives, but we were criminals. We were felons. For most of the nation in 72, abortion was illegal.
3: We had to go underground. The woman would be given the address to the front.
4: It was probably obvious to neighbors what was going on.
5: We came to the surface from other things, the anti-war movement, the civil rights movement. You couldn't not pay attention to what was
1: going on. Fetal death is murder. You could not work as a pregnant woman.
4: If you weren't married, you were out of luck. They were terrible situations.
0: The septic abortion ward was full every day.
4: Women did awful things. They were literally...
6: The septic abortion ward was full every day. So this is the milieu. This is what's going on. These women, who themselves have had abortions or tried to have abortions, knew how hard it was. They were mostly white, although not all. They were middle class. Their husbands, in many instances, were lawyers. And they knew the risks they were getting involved in. But actually, at the same time, as they admit in the film, they were naive.
0: And are you talking about risks to the Women, the Janes who are organizing this, or risk- you know, interestingly so, the women- enough, they
6: they were actually medically naive. Um, they the 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 person who performed the abortions is a major character in this documentary, who is not a doctor. They didn't know that for a long time, right? And as they find out, they could learn how to perform the abortions themselves. And this is the inflection point in the film when they realize they don't have to pay this guy. Because that was, what was breaking the women. There are so many wonderful scenes in this film. I'll just tell you one. Um, they had these index cards that they had at the time that people would call in and leave messages. they say, I have $5. I have $10. I'm 16 years old. I'm living um, in a hotel waiting for the opportunity to find somebody to help me. These cards still exist. And they, what they would do in this collective is they'd hand them out and say, well, you're good at this. You can call that person. You could do that. And they would sign that a uh, person to pick them up and take them to a safe house where they prep them Then take them to another place where they would do the abortions and make sure that they did the follow-up. All of this, non-professional women, non-medical women, doing it for years and years and years. This is before Roe v. Wade. It's very dangerous, but they had one thing going for them. Everybody knew somebody who needed an abortion, and the people who needed it were the district attorneys and the cops and the judges. They all had a family member. So they were looking the other way. And what the film leads up to is why eventually do they get busted in mostly Catholic Chicago? And the people who were doing this, doing the work themselves, most of them are Catholic women, right? So the film, one of the things I liked about this film, The Janes, which is on HBO, is that it answers every question. It asks the question, what about class? Who can afford to do it? What about race? How are the black women being served? What about the, the law? Were they afraid? What happens when they get arrested? How do they get, how do they get out of it? Every time you have a question, the film answers it. And the interviews are fantastic. And there are interviews from the period shortly after, certainly after 1973, some of the women have passed away, but they have the interviews with the women who are no longer with us. So this is a very powerful moment in history. And, of course, because Dobbs has passed, which is the, the Supreme Court decision that overturned Roe v. Wade, we are now facing the same issue in more than half the states. There's another lesson in here for filmmakers. Another film has come out at the same time as this called Call Jane, which is a Hollywood feature film starring Sigourney Weaver and Elizabeth Banks that takes the back exactly the same period, same place, Chicago, <clears throat> excuse me, but tells it through the eyes of just one woman, an upper middle class white woman who herself needs an abortion. And it gets into one aspect that the Jane's documentary doesn't get into, which is the role of the Catholic hospitals in Chicago, who would turn down requests for abortions even when the mother's life is in danger. And in the uh, feature film, which if we have time we can hear a clip from, um, you get a sense of what goes through the life of one woman, one woman, when she herself, her life is threatened by her own pregnancy and she's denied an abortion by the hospital. Can we hear that clip? Mrs. Griffin, your pregnancy is endangering your life. Mom! What's the treatment? To not be pregnant.
1: That's the only option.
5: We could ask the board for permission to perform an emergency termination. Is there a chance that she can survive the pregnancy? Maybe 50%?
2: Resulting in the birth of a healthy child.
1: I'm here, I'm, I'm right here.
2: I vote now, gentlemen? No, no, no. No. No.
4: This is Jane. How does it work? Joy? Yes. Get in. No, this is not a taxi. You sit up front with me. You're going to rest
6: for a few hours.
1: Which one of you is Jane? (laughs) We're all Jane. We have organizing.
6: We're all Jane. So. Was that Sigourney Weaver? That's Sigourney Weaver is playing the leader of, of this group. Elizabeth Banks is playing the. A white upper middle class woman. The difference between the documentary and the feature film are really telling. Right? I found the documentary far more powerful, which is not unusual because Hollywood seems to screw things up.
0: And because you are at your a, core a documentary, a little filmmaker. bit, a little bit biased. It
6: does it 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 does confirm my, uh, my your cre- my career decision. <laughs> not that Hollywood was knocking down my door asking me to do feature films. What the documentary does. It, is not only does it answer all the questions it has a really strong dramatic arc you keep wondering oh, are these women going to get busted yeah in, in in the in the feature film I'll call it that's that's there of course it's more what's the emotional load on one person which is what a feature film can 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 do but it doesn't answer a lot of the, a lot of the, of the questions so it doesn't give you as much of the background uh, it reminded me of another pair of films from about 25 30 years ago about a um, quiz show, uh, Van Doren, who was accused of, of being a fraud in the, in the famous quiz show scandal. Fantastic documentary was made about it for American experience. And then a very good Hollywood film was made about it. So this is not unusual for uh, feature film makers to see a documentary film and say, oh, I'm going to steal that idea. Right. But when you look at the two of them together, you can say, okay, what is the difference between a documentary and a feature film? And where does the real power come from? And for me, the power comes from seeing the actual real people and the emotion that comes from what they're saying. And some interviews
0: in the movie The Janes from the 1970s? From 19- the
6: 1970s, but so the people are really still in, in the moment. One of the things that happens um, in The Janes, of course, it's no, it's no surprise that they, they eventually get busted, but in both both films, the documentary and the feature, what really comes out is how they can fly under the, why could they fly under the radar when they have their phone number, when it says pregnant, call Jane. Why do they go for years and years? And you know how many people they serve? Both films mention how many people they serve in this time. Over 11,000 people, and they don't get busted until somebody forces the hand of the cops and says, I want you to bust them because I believe it's wrong. This
0: is Cool Films with Larry Hott. We're going to take a quick break and be right back.
3: This is Bill Newman, WHMP.
1: I was done at 16, showing up for tests. I was out there in the rain, learning how to kick something.
4: Learn Spanish. Learn French. Learn Italian or German. Learn a language with the International Language Institute. Beginner, intermediate, and advanced conversation classes. Speaking the language with others who are learning. And ILI is a PDP provider for the state of Massachusetts. Plus, earn continuing ed units. Learn Spanish, French, German, Italian, Portuguese. Ten week part-time online classes start January 17th. Sign up online. The International Language Institute in downtown Northampton.
3: Authorization, enrollment, and activation activities are required. Receive all services. Contact institution for details.
4: Two lattes, please. On me. Yeah? My free Casasa Cash Back checking account. surprised me with sweet cash rewards.
5: So thoughtful. Kasasa Cashback simply appreciates me. It also refunds my ATM withdrawal fees. Huh. My MegaBank account just takes money out every month without even asking. Sounds like it's time to move on. Take
3: back the special treatment you deserve with Kasasa Cashback. Ask for Kasasa by name at Franklin First or online at franklinfirst.org. Federally insured by NCUA. We believe in the boundless potential of young people. At Junior Achievement of Western Massachusetts, it inspires our work to prepare Western Massachusetts youth for real-world career and financial success. We offer in-school financial literacy and career exploration programs and after-school young entrepreneur initiatives. JA is committed to the future of youth throughout Western Massachusetts. To learn more about Junior Achievement or to participate as a school, volunteer, or supporter, visit JA KWM.org.
5: 20 years ago, we envisioned creating a brighter future for people and planet. Now, PV Squared celebrates a
1: big milestone, two decades of designing, building, and maintaining quality solar projects for homes and businesses in our community.
4: PV Squared is a worker-owned co-op. When you partner with us, you get a team dedicated to the success of your project, from your first meeting to servicing your system down the road.
5: Build solar right and do business better. It's the co-op difference.
4: Learn more at op.
3: This is Bill Newman, WHMP.
0: We continue our conversation with our Florence-based Emmy Award-winning filmmaker, Larry Hott, who reviewed for us The Janes and Call Jane. They're available where, Larry?
6: The Janes is on HBO, and Call Call Jane, in the singular, is on Netflix. Um, And it's a great pairing. I mean, you you know, have a glass of wine, and watch a documentary and a feature film, call it a night. Another film you have for us today? Uh, From the same period, it's a great short film called The Martha Mitchell Effect. Martha Mitchell, the wife of the Attorney General John Mitchell under Richard Nixon. Oh, man, ball of fire. Uh, This is a short film. It might be nominated. It's on the short list for the Academy Awards. If we hear a clip, you'll get a sense of how much fun this film is.
5: If I'm doing anything wrong in this government, just tell me about it.
4: Martha Mitchell hit this town like a bombshell.
5: In fact, she is getting to be known as the unguided missile. But I do say what I please. (laughs) It wasn't that the president didn't
1: like women, he didn't like loud women.
5: (laughs) She was the first to say Nixon should resign. This man knew what was going on. He was negligent in being president. Uh, do you see
6: where Martha did? No. She called somebody. She called the New York Times.
3: She wanted to protect John, but I don't think she knew how involved John really was.
5: She uh, said, the hot
2: Okay,
6: so let's go back. To 1972, there's a Watergate break-in, and it turns out that John Mitchell was deeply involved.
0: John Mitchell uh, being Richard Nixon's attorney, attorney, attorney
6: general. And Martha, who loved him, she really loved her husband, De- completely dedicated. And she's a wild woman. She was a very outspoken, but she was a Republican. She was committed to the party. Didn't and, they
0: drug her to make her go away? Well, listen,
6: I'm going to read you what this This is from one of the reviews talking about it. John had left Martha in California, John Mitchell, while all this was happening, which fueled and enraged her. Right. When trying to get information and speak out, Martha was imprisoned in her hotel room by thugs, hired by her husband, drugged and beaten by her husband's henchmen. Right? She never forgave him, of course. And then she turns on him. So this short film is about the rise of a woman, the revenge of the wronged woman. You know, it was it was about love. She loved John Mitchell. He abandoned her. He became an evil person in her eyes. And she out He abandoned her to, to save and try to save Richard Nixon. Exactly. And she had been a big fan of Nixon's and a friend of Nixon's. And then she turns on both of them. And of course, look at this. They, they drug her. They tie her down and they shoot her in the butt sedatives to keep her away from the press wouldn't you be angry bill every time you get shot in the butt with sedatives i it happens to me so <laughs> martha mitchell is a wonderful character we forget how much fun she was she was she was a you know a, on the high this how, is a documentary uh, this is this is a documentary it is as entertaining as as any series on netflix it's better than emily in paris believe me so the the bouffon hairdo uh, what she says, uh, how she holds herself, and the images of, of Washington society at that time, and how she broke away from that, right? Because she was actually a proto-feminist. She didn't, I don't think she realized what kind of, um, how uh, powerful her position was, and she made use of it. Um, she dies fairly young from cancer, uh, and this is a period piece film, and it's actually uh, a very good pairing with the Janes, because it takes place at exactly the same time Women from different parts of the society coming together to challenge the system. The title again? This is The Martha Mitchell Effect. It is on Netflix. It's only 39 minutes, and it's well worth every minute.
0: Larry hot. thank you so very much. This has been Cool Films with Larry Hart. Bye-bye.
3: This is Bill Newman, WHMP.
0: Would you like a better world? It's as easy as grabbing a hammer and building a home. Pioneer Valley Habitat for Humanity builds strength, stability, and self-reliance through affordable homeownership in Hampshire and Franklin County. It's not a handout, it's a hand up. Habitat homes are built with donations of material, land, and services. Future homeowners and volunteers create a partnership with Habitat for Humanity to build a home, strengthen our neighborhoods, and create a legacy for our community. Help transform the world. Volunteer and support Pioneer Valley Habitat for Humanity. The Literacy Project is the place to go if you are an adult looking to improve your reading, writing, and math skills, or if you want help preparing for the high school
2: equivalency exam and preparing for college. To find out about our free classes in Franklin and Hampshire counties, check us out online at literacyproject.org or call us in Northampton. News and and talk for Northampton
0: and the Valley since 1950. WHMP Northampton, Northampton. WHMQ Greenfield, Northampton. Northampton Radio Group Station.